I'm Pasha Hanina. And I am Lisa Wagoner. And you're listening to Mystic Tea. Mystic Tea is a podcast dedicated to the mystical and magical. We've invited some of our favorite friends to share their wit and wisdom, unique gifts, and crafty conjurings. So take off your cloak and set a spell and join us for a cuppa. Mystic Tea. Welcome back to Mystic Tea. We're so delighted to have you here with us. Today, Lisa and I are excited to welcome to the Tea House, Trevor Lewis. Trevor is an empath coach and energy healer and also co-author of the book, Thriving as an Empath, Empowering Your Highly Sensitive Self. In his coaching work, he clears unresolved emotions and installs new strategies for a more fulfilling life, and he also provides intuitive readings. Trevor's originally from London, England, and he's been an American citizen for over 30 years. Welcome, Trevor. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's wonderful to have you. Before we jump into your incredible work uh, with Impasse, what are we all drinking? Well, I am drinking the chrysanthemum tea that you made for us. It's very tasty, very spring-like. I love this chrysanthemum tea because it's actually the flower. That's all it is. And you put the flower in. I like to drink it out of a clear pot and it blooms. So there kind of helps with that. But, um, you know, not only does it have a visual effect, but also it has, you know, where it actually calms my anxiety. So you might not know this, but I tend to run hyperspeed. <laughs> so it helps to calm my nerves and, and also with my headaches. And it's just perfect for a day like today. You're right. It is. What about you, Trevor? And my favorite at the moment is nettle tea, which helps with my allergies. Oh, that's great. And chrysanthemum can help with your allergies too. But if you have a ragweed, you want to stay away. If you know a ragweed allergy, you want to stay away from chrysanthemum. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny how the weeds sometimes help us with our allergies. It's like confusing the allergy into our body creates that response. Um, so anyway, enough about tea. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk and talk about tea, but today we're going to talk about impacts. Yes. And as we clink our teacups, clink, 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 uh, Trevor, tell us how you began to work with empaths. Well, like all empaths, I've been an empath all of my life. And I've known for decades that I was processing other people's energies. I just didn't have a word for it. And it got to the end of 2012 when I finally realized there is a word for it, empath. Thank you, Deanna Troy of the Star Trek Next Generation. (laughs) Um, And since then, I've been on a mission to help other empaths go through a shorter, easier learning curve than I had to go through myself. It is really important that you bring that up because that learning curve is something that a lot of empaths struggle with. A lot of people think that being an empath is a curse. Mm -hmm. I'm on the planet to help people realize how much of a gift it really is and how much of a blessing it is, both for themselves and for the rest of the planet. I used to think of myself as, why do I think that being sensitive is a bad thing when if you've got a scientific instrument, you treat it more carefully, it's more valuable because it's sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then essentially, yeah, in a mainstream world, an empath, especially if they haven't been around other empaths, we feel like we're the odd ones out, we're different. Whereas the fact is we're just the forerunner of the direction that the rest of the human race is going in now. We're in an era where 
the empaths are starting to come together. We're starting to fulfill our purpose as healers on the planet because I believe that just about every healer is also a potential strong healer as well. And that it really is an opportunity to discover who we really are when we start to realize what our empath abilities can do for us and what they can do for the world. That's really amazing in your life work of helping empaths to thrive and helping them to identify what it, you know, to recognize the, the classification as an empath and what to do. That is really important because I know that the empathic qualities can result in other things that people really struggle, struggle with, like social anxiety or depression or um, unresolved anger or, you know, highly fluctuating moods. But if I'm picking up anger from you and think, why am I angry? Oh, I'm feeling angry. Therefore, there must be something about me that needs fixing. It's not going to work because I can't fix myself for somebody else's emotions. So how do you tell the difference uh, if you're processing your own emotions or someone else's? Does it just seem like it just comes out of the blue? Is it just confusing? How, like, how would you be able to tell the difference particularly the faster it comes on and for the less reason. Um, I mean, the mind is really good at coming up with reasons. So if you sit there for long enough, and that may mean all of 10 seconds, the mind will come up with a reason for whatever the emotion is that you're feeling. But, I mean, I use the example of anger. Even if I've got a problem with anger myself, when I pick up somebody else's anger, in that moment, it's not about my anger, it's about somebody else's. And so, yeah, it's going to feel very familiar. Whatever their emotion is, if it ties into my emotion, it's going to be harder to recognize mm. as somebody else's. Mm. What I found is that using muscle testing, using a pendulum helps wonderfully for simply asking through muscle testing or the pendulum, is this mine? I can get a clear answer, yes or no, that way. But sometimes just pausing to ask the question, is this mine, is enough for the brain to stop coming up with reasons why it is mine. It will actually accept the possibility that, oh, it may not be mine. And in that process, if I've stopped to ask, is this mine, more than nine times out of ten, it isn't mine. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, very often, the emotion will just melt away because it's not mine. I'm allowing it to flow through. The job of the mind is to come up with meanings, labels, stories to explain whatever it is. And so in the process of recognizing that this isn't mine, the brain doesn't have to engage and it can allow the emotion to do what emotions are meant to do, which is just flow through us. We're meant to feel the emotion and let go of it and allow it to continue on its way. In the same way the healthy child does, temper tantrum one minute, all smiles the next. 
With adults, we tend to hang on to our hang stuff. Hang on to that. <laughs> Very tightly. it in my journal. <laughs> but that's the, that's the second part of what I do with an energy healer, which is helping to release those emotions out of somebody's emotional body. So if somebody was going to come to you or they were wondering if they were an empath, do you have any uh, ways that they could that they could find out whether that is something that they that they have or that they're working with? Well, when I first started realizing that I was an empath, I was doing a lot of browsing through the internet and you can go out and find these quizzes on, are you an empath? And by the time one day I saw a quiz of 32 different questions to find out whether I was an empath, (laughs) I was actually at no way too many questions. And I boil it down to five First of all, have you been described as sensitive, especially oversensitive, pretty much all your life? Do you avoid crowds? Because empaths don't like walking into other people's energy and spending or can be hours in other people's energies because we'll pick it up. Can you tell when people are lying to you, especially if you listen to your heart and your gut rather than your head? because your head will come up with all sorts of reasons why, oh, they must be telling me the truth. If I listen to my heart or my gut, it will be a case of, "Eh, no, I know they should be telling me the truth, but oh boy, they're not. Mm -hmm. And of course, do you feel like you're picking up emotion? Do you have emotional mood swings really fast for reasons that you just don't understand? And of course, the real test is do you know whether you're picking up other people's emotions because some people yep they know they're picking up other people's emotions they just haven't really fully admitted it to themselves and that brings us back to the is it mine right well right so when you're working with a new um client or you're somebody is you know wanting to go deeper with learning whether or not they're um they're an empath what are some ways that you would work with them Well, I talk about having some of the best teachers not on the planet. (laughs) Um, I mean, other people would call them guides, angels, whatever, higher self. I just refer to them as my invisible team. And in that respect, I'm not in charge when it comes to working with people. I've spent 38 years in information technology, really strong left brain. I've spent 40 years meditating twice a day, really strong right brain. And for doing this work, the left brain isn't a lot of use. And most of the time, my job is to get out of the way and let my invisible team do the work, which is going to look different each time I sit down with a new person. And even if I've been working with a person for a year or more, each time I sit down with them, they're a new person. I mean, one of the challenges of this work is the excitement and the fear every time I pick up the phone because I've got no idea what's going to happen in the next hour. (laughs) I know when, um, you know, I was a scholar, so I I have an academic background and um, also just I had a very, a practice beginning in my early teens that looks very different than what I'm doing now. And some of that's age and some of that is losing my ego and myself and understanding 
a lot of things that I didn't allow myself to understand because when you're 14, you know everything. And when you're 40, you're an idiot. So, you know, somewhere in between, you have to kind of come to that. But when I, I kind of reached this point in my life where I couldn't function anymore, I, I, I didn't know the term empath. I didn't know any um, of those types of um Phrases. I didn't. I didn't have anybody in my family or in my circle that explained those types of thinking to me. It was just a very eruptive personality, or mood swings, or bipolar, or whatever names or labels they wanted to throw at you. Um, that's what I got, and I didn't understand where I fit into all of that. Um, so when I started to become actively responsible in my journey and actively responsible for what I think I'm here to do. I just had to throw my hands up and you talk about the invisible team. I threw my hands up in the air and I said, you drive. And they said, will you listen to us now? Yeah. <laughs> and then they said, stop reading. Now I had a library and, you know, a big house and then actually had a library. It was a craftsman house. It had built in library. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop reading. And I would sneak over and I'd about <laughs> the shelf because I, they'd give me a little hit, hint of something and I wanted to know more. And, you know, I had amassed books about yeah. the things that I somehow inherently knew within my And I would pull it out and uh, the book would fall from my hand, or I would try to read the page and it would look like it was in a different language or something like that. So, And, and then conversely, I've had books fall off the shelf. Because you're me. supposed to be reading them. <laughs> and, and that's one thing when you're standing in front of a bookcase and a book falls off the shelves at you. I've had books fall off the shelves at Amazon. And that's kind of weird. <laughs> We had, this was interesting. One, um, uh, my husband had a very traumatic, kind of a very traumatic childhood. And one of the um, things that he began dealing with in his adult life was dealing with um, the abuse of, you know, of his father and all yeah. that. And one day, somehow, the books started showing up at my door. So when you order from, there's one of our vendors that instead of coming to the shop, they come to my house. And one day, two copies of this book on healing your father's trauma <laughs> <laughs> showed up at the, at the house from that vendor. And I was like, did you order these? I don't know, I ordered these. Two, one copy for him and one copy for his sister. And it was right before his father passed away. And it was, oh. it's just really interesting how Amazon's like, look. Let's just handle this. And I'm not a big fan of Amazon. I mean, this is not a promotion for Amazon. I'm just not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it actually wasn't even Amazon. But, yeah. you know, the book shows up for you when you need that information. If you, Especially if you're blocking it or you're not receiving it. Yeah. So let me take a step back because you were talking about the bipolar and everything else. When I've got a room full of empaths, I will turn around and say, how many of you know who you inherited your empath abilities from? parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, it does tend to run in the bloodline. Mm -hmm. And so I usually get a third of the room putting their hands up. So then I turn around and say, so, okay, how many of you have got um, mental illness, especially bipolar, schizophrenia in the family? Because essentially if we don't know how to handle our empath abilities – and you've, we've got no support from our environment, 
the world is really weird or we appear to be really weird in the world and there's plenty of people out there who are willing to put a mental health label on us. So when I ask about mental health, I get another third of the room putting their hands up. And then the last category is, and how many of you have got chemical dependency, drugs, alcohol in the family? And at that stage, I've pretty much got the whole room. The drugs, the alcohol is about stuffing the emotions down because when we put chemicals in, we get less sensitivity to the emotional energy that's trying to bombard us. And sometimes we, uh, we can be tempted just to stuff it down with food. That's true. And I want to say on that as well, because that what you bring up is so important. Like it is really so important. I have a rule that I don't do labels. So if somebody is coming to work with me and they show up and, and um, you know, I always tell people who do show up to work with me, the reason you're sent to me is very specific reason. They don't send me people that are like, well, am I going to find, you know, a mate or something yeah. like that? They send me very, very, very specific people. And then you don't show up with a label. It doesn't mean you don't have one. I mean, we don't work from there. On the other hand, not everybody who's here uh, and showing up is ready to do the work. And so there are, you know, people who are not ready to move past that label in order to live a healthy and prosperous life. And they may never achieve that. That is 100% their choice and, and responsibility to make the decision whether or not they uh, are able to move past what Western medicine would call a label, um, you know, like schizophrenia or yeah. um, bipolar or ADHD or something like that. A, a shamanic practice and energy worker is going to take a different approach to the symptoms of those disorders that the, the, that have been labeled as a disorder. They're going to take a different approach than a psychiatrist or somebody in the Western world. But if somebody does feel that way and they're, if they are at risk or if, um, you know, a lot of empaths become, um, they uh, at one time or another become a threat to their own safety, um, they must get the help that they need Absolutely. until they're ready to do the work. And so, you know, that means if you feel like you need to go to a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, being an empath or being psychic or being someone is not, you still have to go. You still have to get that Western treatment. You can supplement it with other treatments or whatever, but until you're there, um, that's what you have to do. That's in, in my that's my recommendation. In native uh, societies, in partnership societies, indigenous peoples, they would take these people to one side and put them on the shaman fast track. A totally different uh, set of situations. We if we had those caves. And we had the and we had the um, the spiritual support in our society. Absolutely. We would be looking at a completely different situation. And now, what we have are energetically sensitive people. We have a whole cycle of young ones coming forth, more aware and more energetically sensitive than ever before, without an appropriate support system in place we're building that support yeah. system through awareness support by you just simply saying you know what have you considered that you might be an empath here's things that you can do to make your life better oh my gosh i can actually 
I, I feel like I could maybe wake up tomorrow where some people feel like I can't, this is too much for me to handle. Well, and that's why language is so important. I mean, that's, that's really important to me because this brings back memories. I mean, I was raised uh, and got the label a lot of times of moody and sensitive, which now, um, and this journey doesn't happen overnight either. So everybody be gentle with yourself because it won't happen in a day. Um, but just through the years of learning and learning the language through the lens of knowing that I'm an empath, looking back at my childhood, it puts a whole different, um, just a whole different lens on it. And um, so that's why it's, yeah, it's really important to use language like that because empath is just so much different than moody or sensitive. And, right. you know, I think we also also should take pride in that because it was viewed a lot of times I think is a weakness. And as you pointed out, Trevor, it's, it's actually a strength and we really need to focus on that because I think that will help turn the tide as well. A lot of people out there listening to this podcast are going to feel like they are out living their lives on their own and nobody really understands what it means to be an empath. The, in the way that they're experiencing being an empath. Yeah, I would also add to that that a lot of times cyclically, because they are so strongly sensitive and they don't feel like they fit in, they haven't found that special place, that they pull completely away from um, the spiritual path. And in fact, um, they will deprive themselves of the tools and access to the tools that could help them thrive through this, like perhaps meditation or drawing or even grounding or drawing boundaries or doing things like that. There are lots of tools that are available. I'm here, we're here to tell you out there that you don't have to be on your own. Absolutely, you are not. When I published my book, Thriving as an Empath, in 2016, there were maybe a handful of books on the on Amazon that had the word empath in the, the title. And when I say handful, I mean, we're talking less than 10. Now there are hundreds of books out there. The world has changed really fast just in the last six years. There's much more understanding of the word empath. There's much more acceptance. It's creeping into the mainstream really fast, which is just a reflection of the way consciousness is really rising very fast at the moment. And you're absolutely right, because in 2016, it was almost like something hit hyperdrive. It just, it just was like, okay, we're going all in. Everybody hang on. And, um, and it was like you were white-knuckling it through yeah. this spiritual vortex or whatever. But, I mean, it, it is true, and, and, and it is amazing because... Um, it's so important. And I really, really thank you um, for the work that you're doing. Um, I know recently we were at, um, what was that? The um, the show that we did. What was it called? Rhoda? The Rhoda, oh, yes. The Rhoda, the Rhoda, Rhoda Psychic Expo. The Rhoda Psychic Expo. Yeah. And you, had, you were doing readings there. Um, and I would see people leaving your uh, your readings and they were just like, completely blown away by their reading with you. And, and I could see that, that hopefulness that you offered to them, you know, and they would, they were like, you know, they were changed by you giving them hope that one, they're not alone, that here are some tools. You don't have to feel this way because sometimes it's not comfortable. 
You know, yeah. sometimes it's fine and there's a lot of wonderful benefits. I know, uh, or I hope you'll talk more about how empaths are healers and how they've come to be change makers and bringers of transformation, but sometimes it's really, really uncomfortable. And I saw that sense of renewed hope. Um, well, so, okay, let's talk about my favorite tool in as much as the, the starting point is just remembering to ask yourself, is this mine? That's number one. Number two, I talk about the light projector exercise. I had a friend phone me up one day and say that she had to go to a funeral and she hated going to funerals. Why would an empath hate going to funerals? I can't think of a single reason. <laughs> joke, I mean, it seems joke. pretty pleasant to me, but... <laughs> and I started answering her, and as I was answering her, I was doing a double take in terms of... I realised that I didn't consciously know that I knew the stuff that was coming out of my mouth. That was one of the occasions where, hey, hang on, this invisible team is pretty damn good. But essentially it comes down to... If you've got two barrels of water, one with clean water, one with dirty water, if you move the water from the dirty barrel to the clean barrel, the dirty barrel stays dirty, the clean barrel gets dirty, it's a lose-lose. If you block the pipe between the two barrels, in my world it's equivalent to what we talk about as shielding, stopping the movement. The clean barrel stays clean, the dirty barrel stays dirty, but we know what happens. This energy is like water, and we know what happens to stagnant water. It gets all green and smelly. This energy is meant to be in movement, in motion. So if you push the water from the clean barrel to the dirty barrel, the dirty barrel gets cleaner, the clean barrel stays clean. It would be a win-win if it wasn't for the fact that talk to any nurse, teacher, social worker, they know all about getting drained. Right. You've got to refill the barrel from the divine wellspring. So I teach the light projector exercise in a three-step process. One, connect down, putting roots down through your legs, deep down into the center of the earth. I like to tie my roots down around a big boulder down there. But that's the grounding. This energy needs to be grounded in the same way as electricity needs to be grounded. Step one, connect down. Step two, connect up to source, divine, God, spirit, the universe, whatever you care to call him, her, or it, it doesn't matter. But having connected up, allow that divine energy to come in, fill yourself up first. And then step three, project that divine energy out rather than projecting our own energy out, project the divine energy out through, from the heart to them, whoever the source of the bad energy that's hitting us is. So again, three-step process, connect down, connect up, project out. It protects us as empaths, and it also heals them, the ones that need the healing, that have got the negative emotions, that need that divine energy. So it's both protection and healing. So that, that's a really important exercise for empaths. So it's, the, it's ground down, ground mm. up, project out. Yes, or I ground down, connect up, 
to the divine projectile. Projectile. And you have those ma- magnets. I have one on my fridge you sent over to me. Absolutely. My projector magnet. <laughs> Absolutely. Thriving empath at Etsy.com. There we go. Get yours today. It no. really is helpful because it's a good reminder, you know, because we, if you're anything like me, you get up in the morning and you got all the, everything you have to do and the dogs and the cats and the coffee and all this. And it's like, oh, wait, let's get ready. Let's actually get ready for the day. Do this uh, light projector exercise. and The best of it. Exercises still only works when you actually use them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's like me and yoga. (laughs) But but certainly I've had people that hated going to the supermarket because of picking energy up the other people in the supermarket. Teach them the light projector exercise, and all of a sudden they can get in and out without the same trauma as they used to experience. It's transformational. It yeah. makes your life, and this is where driving as an empath, right? This is makes it where you can actually enjoy your life instead of feeling burdened by... Or overwhelmed. Or yeah. overwhelmed all the time. So, Trevor, especially with cataclysmic world events that seem to be happening all the time, especially lately. And, you know, the people of Ukraine, I know that empaths and sensitive people are feeling this energy right now. Do you have any tips or um, suggestions on how we navigate through this time? Well, we are in a time of tremendous change. And the elders, the native elders, have talked about this time for a long time. What's happening right now is everything that stood for the traditional, the old way of doing things is falling away. And remember that the media is out there to sell advertising space to get you to watch the news, the media is driven on enhancing fear, not enhancing well-being. From my perspective, it's there's a lot of really good stuff happening. There is energy flooding into the planet that is raising the frequency of the whole planet. Now, you can either run with that increased frequency it's not comfortable it still gets bumpy but we don't have to go into the fear and anger that is driving (laughs) driving the media but even if you don't watch media because i don't um you can still feel the vibration of what is happening Um, how do we like because if you're not watching the media you might not know we had a huge volcano um, erupt. We've had a few of them, actually. But there's been like five or six in just the last, you know, five months. And I don't watch the news, so I don't catch it. I can still feel, I feel that volcanic eruption. I feel it within myself. And I feel sort of out of sorts. And um, sometimes I forget to check in about, about stuff like that. And I'm sure other people are feeling that as well. Well, certainly all the grounding that you can do, all the grounding that we can do, and then all of the protection, because while there are probably the majority of the people, or certainly a very large minority, if it is a minority, but there's a lot of fear and anger going on in the world. Fear and anger about COVID, fear and anger about uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, just fear and anger about climate change. Right. 
And as empaths, we're picking up that energy all the time. If not from our family, from our next door neighbours, if not from our next door neighbours, just every time we leave the house and mix with the general public. And so everything I've been talking about in terms of protection would be where I go in terms of global change. Do you think you talk a lot about empaths as healers and, um, you know, Lisa knows my brain goes off in all these different directions. So hang on and keep up. (laughs) Um, Cultural transformers. Yeah. Do you think that part of the responsibility of an empath is to help transmute some of this change um, from one way of thinking to another or one way of being or the suffering or or something like that? I I ask this because, you know, I've done a lot of earth and land healing and sort of unwillingly I would be sent a place and, and, and I could actually feel while I was grounded enough so that it didn't affect me, but the suffering of the land would move through me and I would feel that it would be transmuted through there. And through that, we could do the release. Now that's not to say I wasn't tired afterward. I just, it was, I was conscious of what I was doing. I was aware of it. There was ceremony. There was, there was practice. And then I went on my merry way and, you know, got a Culver's milkshake, but, um, which is true. I did get a Culver's milkshake, but, um, but I just wonder if that's part, you know, we, we heal people, we heal animals, we hear energy, we hear, we heal land. Is that part of our responsibility to be transmuting during this time? When you... We are spiritual beings having a human experience. As human beings on this this planet, we can't help but transform the world around us because every time we take a breath in, we transform oxygen into carbon dioxide. We are natural transformers. We are here to change the planet. And as empaths, we are natural healers. And because we're natural healers, We feel better about ourselves when we're in healer mode. Now, when I talk about being a healer, some people think that that means, well, I've got to be an energy healer or a nurse or a doctor or this. Sometimes we're healers just because we have a different frequency and complete strangers will come up to us and tell us all their problems. Plenty of empaths out there are just really good healers, I can, uh, yeah. good listeners. I can think of several um, very young people that I know that have wisdom beyond their years, but as empaths, they don't understand it. They're very young. And then people will talk to them about what's going on. But because they are empaths, they understand and they can see the answer or they can see a solution, not the solution, because that's obviously up to personal choice. But they can make space for that, even with people who are much older than them. It's, it's a really, I think that, um, and, and I say this because I work as a teacher. So I spend yeah. a lot of time with young ones. You work mostly with adults. So you probably see the same thing in adults. Um, and we've seen it in ourselves as well, where um, it's an, un- that imp- I think part of, the empath journey is to be able to really consciously, physically, emotionally, and spiritually have a relationship with what people are saying, and then to be able to hold space 
um, for that for them, or maybe give them a word of advice or something that's meaningful to them that they can walk away from. You may never see these people again. You may never ask their name, but it's just that moment, that exchange. It's a very powerful moment. And sometimes we don't even know the impact that we've had. Sometimes we find out about it two or two years later, five years later, and sometimes it's been a perfectly innocent, what seems to us like a perfectly innocent conversation that changes somebody's life. Because we operate at a different frequency. You did use one word in there in terms of consciously healing, consciously saying, consciously doing. Our conscious intellect is not the most important part of this. It's just our whole beingness operating at a higher frequency. For me to say consciously, what I mean by that is that there's a responsibility for the work that's being done, a responsibility to ourselves, because those who are not lucky enough to yet work with you or other empath coaches or haven't read your book, they may unconsciously be doing that kind of work. And as a result, they uh, have some of those suffering effects that we were talking about. They also bring in and attract, you know, energy. My daughter, I have brilliant children. I just like the world should know how she does. It's really true. So my daughter says the other day, mom, um, you know, I was struck by lightning last year and I'm having uh, some memory loss. Right. And so um, I go, she goes, mom, you don't have to worry about all of those things you don't remember. Your synapses are just two things that aren't firing, but the memory still exists. The energy of everything you've ever known is still in existence in your brain. You just can't access it. And I'm like, that is very true. And I can, I can understand that because we create energy, the energy of all that is, is around us all the time. We just can't always access it. Impasse can always access it, but it's nice to know, like you said, is this mine? Is this, does this matter? Is it relevant? But it can still attract and bring in things that can be disruptive, like the computer might not work right, or uh, you might have a headache, or there might be, you might feel the emotional things that you're talking about. Particularly the conversation around moving from 3D to 5D from the old world to this new way of being is a much longer conversation. But essentially, if we don't understand the transition to the way things are changing and the possibilities that are coming into the whole planet right now, if we don't understand those possibilities, we're going to be looking at the world from the fear and anger that everybody else is operating in. As we start to gain our understanding, as we start to raise our frequency and allow that to happen, then it makes it easier on ourselves. It helps us make the shift into this new way of being. And by making the shift easier for ourselves, we make the shift easier for the whole planet. Yeah, and I'd like to bring that back to how good it is for your mental health, because I think a lot of times we get caught in the rabbit hole and the spirals of just thinking about ourselves and how we feel and how uncomfortable we are. 
But when you shift that into sending out healing energy, and I think a lot of people think you have to have a shingle or a business card to do that. But if you're an empath, you already know how to do this. Sending out healing energy, it makes you feel better. The recipient feels better. And it's just a, it's a positive thing on both ends. So like, imagine if all of us did that, the energy would shift tremendously just because we're not so deep in our heads and going down rabbit holes. It is a quick and, you know, in addition to therapy and everything else, but it's just like such a boost to yourself as an individual, especially when you're, you know, feeling down in the dumps or overwhelmed by fear or anger. That's true. And there's other ways that, um, and I, and you touched on something that's super important, which is to clear the energy, to lighten the mood. I mean, I don't know about you, but that chrysanthemum tea, it's so cheerful. Like it really made me feel peaceful and joyful. And that was just from a single flower and a cup of tea, but it is important to, to clear energy, whether it's in your mental, physical, emotional space, your place of work, your place of living, your bedroom. Sometimes, you know, you get having intense dreams or you might do journey work at night. What are some ways that we could clear other than yummy tea? Well, personally, I never leave the house without wearing a hematite ring. Um, I either use hematite or tourmaline just to as a little extra boost when I'm out uh, among people. And I do it so automatically now. It's a, it's a habit. And I do feel naked if I leave the house without it. So that's that's one way. I definitely do it. I also like to work with sounds. Um, quick way to either clap or ring a bell. Uh, we've got these beautiful singing bowls here at Of Wanda and Earth as well. I mean, all those different kinds of ways. Even playing great music that gets you up and moving, um, that can change the energy so Move, quickly. The movement can, yes. right? Even the movement. Yeah. And I use my broom. I like to sweep the, the um, I like to sweep the corners. I sweep my body. Yep. Uh, I got this really amazing golden sheen obsidian. I mm-hmm. got these golden sheen obsidian knives. So if I feel like that, I might cut some of that um, energy off of me if it's feeling extra sticky. What about you? I know you use your light projector exercise. That is amazing. You, That's a great way to clear energy. Use the light projector exercise, Epsom salt buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not much of a tree hugger. I would rather lean up against the, the tree with my back against it. It look, I'm have a conservative streak in me. So that way I can just lean up against the tree with a good book. It looks far more conventional, but has the same effect as hugging the tree. Oh, yeah. First bathing is an amazing way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Get out in nature or get yeah, barefoot. Back up against yeah. the tree. I'm kind of more like you, too. I, I like to lay. I put my back on the rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're in a pinch just having plants in the home. Like I'll go straight to the dirt and run my fingers through it just to clear some energy off of me. And that usually works as well. It's awesome. Well, we're running. I would love to bring you back in and talk more about that transition that we're talking about, but we're running a little bit short on time. Yeah. We have just enough time to bring. Oh, did you want to? Well, have- well, you are actually bringing me back in for a workshop. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sunday, March 27th from 12 to 2. Trevor will be here. And I believe you have a book signing as well, right, Trevor? That is true. Thriving as an empath, empowering your highly sensitive self. And how much is the book? And the book is $15. Excellent. And so the uh, workshop is from 12 to 2. So um, we have an event up on Facebook. And let us know if you're planning to attend or just show up that day. And Trevor will be here. And also, it is time for Maven's Faves with our Maven of Mystical Curation. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love when she says that. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, our items this week, as always, are the beautiful crystals that uh, Pasha brought in. I'm going to have her talk about those a little more. But we also have so many beautiful items from Sea Witch Botanicals. I've been a, speaking of moving energy. I've been using their sprays. Their they have um, these little tins that have these. Um, what do you call them? Salves uh, that you can use um, and perfumes too. They're and they're perfumes. also um, yeah yeah. So definitely use that and their incense. I usually use the incense when I work and every single person that walks in remarks about it. Um, so we definitely have their products. So check them out next time you're in the shop. And Pasha, what about our amazing crystals that you brought from the gem show? Well, the one I'm really focused on this week are these fluorite points. I love fluorite because Look at this one, actually. I'm going to put this one up on the website. This is new. This actually, this inclusion on this did not used to be here. Um, there's, a, you know, our stones are living, are living beings. And sometimes they change right before our eyes. And um, I, that inclusion was not in here before. I can guarantee I have a before and after picture. But anyway, um, this is, fluoride is an amazing thing. It connects with all of your chakras. So it clears them. It strengthens your auric field. And it's just one of those things, in, in addition to being exceptionally beautiful, Beautiful. Um, it has tons of blue and green and purple and just the layers. Um, it's just a really wonderful uh, thing. It's a wonderful uh, ally for clearing energy in our home. And of course, uh, back to thrivingempath.com. Um, if you want to go and check out Trevor's book, you can get it there on the Etsy site. You can get them here in the store. Um, and you have some, your magnets are also available there and you can schedule a session with you also, right? Is that uh, something uh, that you abs do online? Abs absolutely. <laughs> and my work I keep as affordable in the very definition of, I promise all of your listeners that my work is affordable. I'll give them more details when they reach out to me. <laughs> Great. Well, we can't, did you have any other, um, faves this week, uh, Maven, or? Uh, let's see, what else did we have available that I've noticed? Hmm, we do have so many things available. Well, we just finished celebrating Mardi Gras, and so the store is still beautifully green, gold, and purple, and we have a couple of new books in, um, let's see, which ones are my favorites, because you know the books are my favorites. Um, I don't know. We just have too many. I think yeah. we're off. We're off flying. I know for me, I'm flying a little high. I need to practice my ground down, ground up and connect a little bit because yeah. I've enjoyed this uh, podcast so much and um, I'm getting a little floaty. So yeah, me too. Uh, you'll just have to come in and figure it out for yourself. That's right. <laughs> well, Trevor, thank you so much. This was amazing. It was wonderful to have you. We can't so, wait. Thank you for you. having me here. It was great. Yeah, and we look forward to having you back in the shop on the 27th of March. See you then. Great. Thank you for listening. Mystic Tea is produced by the Astara Network in collaboration with Awandan Earth, a mystical mercantile community space and future home of the Two Brooms Tea House. You can visit us in the town of Marshall, nestled in the magical mountains of Western North Carolina, or visit us online at ofwandandearth.net, or we're on Facebook and Instagram at ofwandandearth. That's of wand, A-N-D, Earth.